The scripture this morning is taken from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness and hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It is indeed a great opportunity to be able to meet here today as we come together and sing songs to our Savior, as we come together and pray to our Savior, as we come together and worship our Savior this day. We're indeed thankful to have all of our visitors who are here. As uh, was announced earlier, Mike Hickson is actually in Atlanta preaching at a gospel meeting, and we're, we're happy to be able to share uh, his great ability with others. Today is the song we just sang. It said, He gave me a song. Today we will be looking at the blessing we have in song. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 emphasizes this. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, we see four, four main points. The rule by which we live. First, the rule by which we live is the rule that God gave us. It's the scriptures that we must measure up to. We have a ruler which is a set standard. It's 12 inches. Every ruler you pick up and you measure a 12-inch mark is going to be the same 12 inches. Each time you use that ruler, it's a standard. It's something by which we can always have the same measurement. The scriptures today are the rule. It's the rule in our life in which we have a standard that is set for us to live by. As we, as we sing songs to God, it is such a, a great blessing. The song that we just sang says, He took my burdens all away up to a brighter day. He gave me a song to sing about. It's human nature to be uplifted as listening to songs. We listen to the radio sometimes and, and we might be made happy. We might enjoy the lyrics as we listen to them. Hopefully it's, it's songs that, that are encouraging to us. The songs we, that we find in, in our hymnals that are according to scripture. Those, however, surely will bring a smile to our face, will bring a joy to our life as we realize the importance of them to us. Within each of the lyrics of a song, there's, there's great meaning. Within these lyrics, it, it can lift us up. It can make us, it can make us have a, a great day. Within the small words, within each scripture that we read, there's also great meaning. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. This means that it's physically God-breathed. It's from the mouth of God. Each word is inspired. Each word is important to us. As we go throughout the sermon today, we are going to look very closely at each of the words in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. And it starts out, let. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, this is only a three-letter word, but yet it still has a great importance, a great meaning to us because it implies that there's a choice on our part. It implies that there's an ability to have the word of Christ dwelling in us. But within that ability, within that choice, it creates a responsibility for us because we have to choose 
to let it be in us. We have to make a conscious decision to make it a part of our lives. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Perhaps this is why they're told in 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, study to show thyself approved. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. They're told to study, have that word within you. It only comes to us, however, though, by study. It only comes to us by, by getting in the book and looking at it for ourselves. Also in Acts 17, 11, it says these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And what did they do? It says in that they searched the scriptures daily after they received the word. It says in that they received the, the word gladly. And then it says they searched the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. They got in the book and they looked. They got in the book and they searched to see whether, whether it is important to study. They got in the book and looked to see whether there really is blessing in song. <coughs> let implies the responsibility upon us. Following that, it says, let the word. This implies the singular nature of the word. The word is the very words of Christ. It is the word that we have in the gospel today. The word never disagrees. As we look through it, that singular nature, within itself, it prevents problems. It prevents there being a discrepancy from one verse to the next. Back in 2 Timothy 3.16 that we looked at, looked at said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Therefore, it's infallible. It's perfect. There's nothing that can be wrong as we know that it does come from God. The word. The word is the very word that we talk about in John 6, verse 63, it says, The word that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The life is in the word. The life is in making it a part of your life. Within, within the scriptures as we study, it implies when you study, you're going to make it a part of your life. It's not something we look at and say, Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a great poem. That's a... That's a great piece of literature to look at, but rather apply it. Make it a part of who we are. In John 8, 24, it says, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. This is the words spoken by Christ. Those words that Jesus spoke, they're the important ones. They're the ones that we are to make a part of our life. If you go on, you'll realize that Jesus told the apostles that they were to speak according to his authority. By his authority, they, they spoke to those that were around them. So therefore, they had the authority to relay Christ's message unto them. So even when the apostles write in other places that you don't find the words in red, it's still Christ's words. It's still the word, the singular word that Christ is talking about. And then in John 12, 48, it says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. Then it says, The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in that last day. The final day, it's all going to come down to who chose that singular word, the word that Christ gave to us. That is what we must make a part of our life. Notice following it says, Of Christ. Let the word of Christ. This is who it belongs to. This is, this is the important part. There are many words that we hear in the world today. Many people speak and we have friendly conversations. However, the word of Christ is what's important. 
Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he said, I will build my church. That's the church belonging to Christ. We're talking about the words that belong to Christ. <coughs> we want to make sure that the word that we follow is Christ's words. We want to make sure that the church that we're a part of is the one following his words. Therefore, we call the, we call the organization, we call the religious, religious organization that is set up the church of Christ, simply meaning it belongs to him. It's not my opinion that matters. It's not your opinion that matters. However, it is the words of Christ. Then notice following it says, dwell in you richly. This, this makes a lot of sense to me as I, as I enjoy a buffet. If you go out to a restaurant for a buffet, when you go, you want a, a large portion. In my mind, I think I want to eat my money's worth. I want to get, get a, a full measure. If you look here in this verse, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's what it's talking about. Get your money's worth. It's talking about getting a full measure, getting a full meal, getting all that you can take and just a little bit more. You can be a glutton of the word. You can be one that, that takes in all the word and then some. You can never have too much. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's a, a large portion. We want, we want the word in us. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 is going to be a sharp contrast to what we're talking about. It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. That love there is the love that we're supposed to have here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, let it dwell in you richly. Let that be your sole desire. Let that be the, the push, the thrust in your life. The love of money is evil, but if the love of the truth, the love of the word that Christ gave us, if that's your love, if that's your desire, you're right on track. That's what we must long for. That's what we must strive to make most important in our life. In all wisdom. It says, in all wisdom. As as we study our scriptures, as we study our Bibles, we want to understand through wisdom. Wisdom is the understanding that we gain from studying it. In the book of Proverbs, as you read throughout the whole of Proverbs, it has much to say about wisdom. Uh, many people call it a, a letter of wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 6, it says, The Lord giveth wisdom. It goes on to say that out of his mouth cometh knowledge. If the Lord is the one giving the wisdom, we know today that as we study our scriptures, this morning we actually looked, in it, looked at our class in 1 Corinthians, sorry. In, in our class upstairs, we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where you see that prophesying have ceased, that all these miracles, they've passed away, they're no longer with us. So how do we receive the word of God? How do we receive this word that he gave to us? getting back into the book, getting in the book and studying for ourselves. In all wisdom requires that we look at God's word. There's only one way that God speaks to us. If it's only through these words, the only way we're going to get wisdom is by studying. So this rule by which we live, the Bible, it's our standard. It's, it's the, the one thing that will judge us in the end as we looked at John chapter 12 verse 48. Next we'll notice the regulations. 
that God did give. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Then it goes on to say, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is a regulation that, that God gave on the way that they sing to him, on the way that they, they worship him. It says teaching and admonishing. That word and, again, three letters, still very important because it requires both. Teaching must take place and admonishing must take place. It requires that as people, these lyrics that we sing, when we, when we sing songs, these lyrics are important. We can't come in and just sing any old song and consider it as worship to God. Because why? Because it's supposed to teach. If it teaches, that implies it's going to be scriptural. It's going to be based around our Bible. Teaching and admonishing. It implies that we must lift one another up. It's to encourage us, to push us to be better, to be stronger Christians, to be more devoted in the life that we live. Now also, the word teaching implies something else. The word teaching implies that somebody's learning. And not only is somebody learning, that everyone's learning. Whether it's a refresher in the sense that that we know Christ gave us a song. He gave me a song to sing about. He took my burdens all the way up to a brighter day. We know, we understand that Jesus, Jesus had to die for us. We understand that we have a song to sing, but that learning is still coming to us as we pay attention to those words. As we study the words while we sing them, we realize it reiterates in our life the great importance that Christ has to us. It reiterates that, that we need him in our lives. He's the one that gave us a reason to be happy. He's the one that gave us a joy. This regulation to our worship is what we must do. When we sing to our Father, we, we must teach one another. We must admonish one another as it's what God told us to do. Now notice what the next two words are, one another. This is a, a theme that's echoed throughout the entirety of the New Testament, throughout the entirety of the Bible. We are there for each other. I'm here because I want to help you get to heaven. I hope that you're here because you want to help me get to heaven. As we come together and worship together, it encourages our faith. I'm encouraged when I hear others sing, and I, I'm sure that you're encouraged when you hear Hear those around you sing. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 says, But exhort one another daily while it is yet today. Right now, we help one another. We encourage one another. We provoke them to good works. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 and says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. To provoke sometimes carries a bad connotation. But this provoking that we do is something, it's good, it's great, it's, it's what God desires. Provoke, push to good works. We can talk about pushing over the edge. You pushed them just too far that now they're doing what's right. The provoking lifts one up. It pushes them to follow the Savior. And then as we go on, we wonder, it says in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs... What is, what is the idea here in that it says three different, 
three different things in which we, we know of as songs today. Well, there are, there are small differences as you look within them, look within each word and study them out, you'll realize that there, there is small differences. For instance, in, in Psalms, this would be a, a lyrical poem, just like that of the Old Testament that we're talking about, specifically the book of Psalms. This is Psalms that they sang, and yet today we, we still sing them, whether it's, whether it's to the same music that they, they once used or whether, whether we, we speak it differently, we sing it in a different tune, it is still that those psalms that were originally given. This morning we sang the song As the Deer. This song is based specifically off of Psalm 42. If you look at Psalm 42 verses 1 and 2, it says, As the heart, in the King James Version, as the deer in other versions, uh, as it pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. You can understand as you sing these lyrics that there is a desire after you run a race to have water. There is a desire when one is thirsty to have water, to have something to drink, to quench the thirst. Our soul should have that desire for God. Our soul should have that desire to follow him, to find him, to, to study him out, to realize that he is the true savior. So we see those Psalms speaking specific, specifically of the Old Testament book that we know as psalms today this would be sometimes spoken as a chant that's the way they may have they possibly have done it we don't know for sure but today as we as we set the set the words to a tune to music uh, speaking of the the music that that we make with our make with our mouth as we set the words to to a certain tune we know that that's scriptural in teaching we know that it's scriptural because it's just what god said we also talk about hymns. Now these are songs of praise, thanksgiving and supplication, but what does it do? It shows our dependence on God. It shows how we are dependent upon Him. Our salvation, our soul salvation requires Him. Without Him we are lost. We understand this. For instance, the song we sang this morning, Nailed to the Cross, number 361. There was one who was willing to die in my stead that a soul so unworthy might live. It goes on to say, my sins were all nailed to the cross. There is no way that we could live without him. There is no way without Christ coming to this earth and living that perfect life and dying on the cross that we could be saved. Our sins were nailed to the cross. We are dependent upon that fact. We are dependent upon Christ's coming. Now notice next it says spiritual songs. Now these are songs that are intended to inspire us. It cultivates feeling. It pushes us to go out and to serve. It encourages us to go out and to be the Christian that we ought to be. The song we sang, he gave me a song. He took my burdens all the way up to a brighter day. He gave me a song. He gave me a reason to be happy. He gave me joy in my soul. And because of that, I'm going to live for him. Are you sowing the seed? Are you going out and sowing the seed of the kingdom, the gospel? Songs like this, they inspire us to go out and to work harder for the Lord. They inspire us to go out and to be stronger servants of him. Next, we'll notice the rejoicing, which is active. There is a rejoicing within us that is active. 
active upon each of us. It says, singing and making melody, or singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Sorry, I switched it with Ephesians 5.19. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now that first word, singing, this should have great importance to us as Christians because that is just what we do. It's, it's a great emphasis for those that follow the Bible. Now notice this rejoicing which is active is not just active upon me. This rejoicing that is active is not just active upon Brother Billy. This one another that it's talking to, talking to there before. It says teaching and admonishing one another. It's talking about each person that is in the service. Sometimes we, we put the great emphasis on, on not using instruments in our worship as we sing to God. Well, the only instrument we use is, is our heart. It's, it's the strings with, within us. Maybe sometimes we should put the emphasis more on the fact that when it says singing, it means everyone. Every person here is to be singing to the Father. The emphasis is that we sing. Sure, we understand that when it says singing, we're going to do just that. But if we just sit there in the pew and we don't sing at all, how different is that in not following the commandment than adding something to it? Whether you take, take from or add to, either way, it's still different than the command. No matter what you sound like, we know God will hear it as a joyful sound. Ephesians 5.19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. It's a melody to the Lord. It doesn't matter what the person sitting next to you thinks of your voice. It doesn't matter what I think of your voice. It doesn't matter what any person in here thinks of your voice. But what does matter is that it's the melody to the Lord. To Him is the offering. To Him we make the sacrifice, the offering to Him. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 15 says, What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding. And then it goes on to say, I will sing with the Spirit and sing with the understanding also. When we sing... Let's do it with understanding. Let's sing because we love, because we t we're told to love our Father. We're told to sing to Him. Let us sing with the Spirit and sing with the understanding. It goes back to a desire from the inside as well as singing properly on the outside. As we go on, it says, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That implies that there is an importance about the inside there's an importance about the inside different than that of your voice the importance is that there's singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord there's an attitude on the inside throughout the scriptures we see the importance of an attitude in a Christian we see the importance of the heart Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing through even to the dividing of asunder of both the soul and the spirit and the bones and the marrow. Talking about the word of God, it says, which is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word knows. God knows the inner man. God knows the inner desire. That's the key. Sometimes, sometimes people might judge you we're told not to. However, I realize it does happen still today. But there's one judge that is the perfect judge. There's one judge that will never make an improper judgment. It's right there. 
The word is the judge. It understands the thoughts, the desires, the intents of the heart. It knows what was your desire. We must have the proper, proper desires. Matthew chapter 5 verse, verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The proper heart, the ones that have that, those are the ones that will see God. And to the Lord, this implies or shows the direction to which all our worship should be directed. Our worship should be directed to the Lord. The way that we, the way that we live our lives should be directed to the Lord. It shows the direction in which our singing is based. That's why we don't sing a word, sing words other than those which are showing our devotion to Him, showing our praise to Him. We want it to bring our minds closer to Him. Now finally, as we, as we come to an end, Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, we'll see the response that is affirmative. This response is our response, which is affirmative to our salvation. Our salvation can be known because we're following this book. Verse 17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. We know that if we do just that, we'll have salvation. We will be saved in the end, whatsoever you do in word or deed. This covers every action that you make. Sometimes this might be a confused Confused subject, as it goes on to say, do all in the name of the Lord. This implies that it is by the authority of Christ. When we say that we go out to eat for dinner, we shouldn't have the understanding that I'm going out to eat today because this is what God told me to do. But rather, we go out to eat because we were given authority by Christ. There's nowhere that we're told not to do that. The things that we do, we must do by the authority of Christ. When someone comes in the name of the law, it's by the authority of the law. Do all in the name of the Lord, by his authority, what he allows us to do. If something's sinful, we know that that's not permitted by Christ. That's not permitted by his word. Do all in the name of the Lord. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus says, All power meaning all authority is given to me into heaven and earth. That's why we want to follow him. It says, do all in the name of the Lord. We want to follow his authority. Finally, it says, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. It implies that we as Christians are continual in our prayer life with God. We want to continue to be putting him first. We want to be thankful for the things that we have. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 simply says, pray without ceasing. Make it a part of your life. Prayer should be an important part of the Christian life, of one who is serving God. If we have the proper action linked with the proper attitude, it's going to make us an accepted person. We see there is action required within Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, where we are to sing to God. It goes back to the heart, making melody in our heart. The proper action and the proper attitude is going to lead to the final product of us being accepted on that final day. We must strive to follow that rule by which we are to live, speaking of the word of Christ. We must also accept the regulations that God did give us within the scriptures and follow them. When Christ tells us to sing, that's exactly what we're going to do. We take part in the rejoicing, which is active. When we come together and sing, that's active upon each of us. As we, we are about to have the invitation song 
Each of us ought to sing to praise our God, to praise our Father in heaven. The song that we'll be singing is there is power in the blood. Realize that we have dependence upon our Father. We have dependence upon Him. And then finally, by responding to the word, we can know, we can be affirmed that we have salvation. If, if we haven't become a Christian, it's up to us. The time is today. The time, the accepted time of salvation is now. It's up to us to make the choice to follow him. We're told as Christians that we must, we must understand, we must hear Matthew. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16 says, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Speaking of those peoples, it says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Those that will follow those commands. If we do believe, if we understand that the Christ, it, that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, we can then repent of our sins in Luke 13, 3. We can change our ways to live for him. And then in Acts chapter 2, 2 verse 38, as they told them, after repentance, it said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. We're told that we must confess the name of Christ. We must realize that He is our Savior. He is the one by which salvation comes. If we are willing to do this, we can, too, be sure of our salvation. We can have it affirmed. We can know that there is salvation for us if we are following the scriptures if we are living for him if you haven't been baptized like I said to now is the accepted time behold today is the day of salvation tomorrow may never come but right now we know that we have today if you haven't become a Christian I would encourage you please do it now please come as we stand and sing